Hello there, you're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Friday the 18th of February. Today, I'm joined for the last time this week by Alina Kazmi, who is a Watson's Daily Ambassador. Peter, how about yourself? I'm sitting here worried about the wind, and I'm talking <laughs> about what's going on outside. Um, I mean, it's... it's um, actually locked uh try to lock the gates before um today because um yeah i mean obviously the weather warnings are, sound pretty dire so um so anyway i'm 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 not going to fly my kite today uh, <laughs> so um but anyway um so so uh let's move into what is you know what um story stood out for you most in today's edition of watson's daily the story that stood out for me the most was, I think, how the supply chain crisis cost the UK and Eurozone and a lost year of GDP growth. Even yes. <laughs> you mentioned today that that was obviously obvious. But... Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I have to say here that I all I continue to take the mick out of the, the IMF uh, <laughs> and the ECB on an ongoing basis. All, and, and the reason is not because I'm against Europe at all, because, in fact, I'm very pro-Europe. However, um, the thing is, I keep feeling that they just tell us what we already know and they don't really do anything new. But, may, but you know, um, that's why I do it. But um, I think that your points are very valid, however. So please continue. I just thought I'd explain that in the context of everything, because I'm always, I'm always, actually the people that, so it's usually for me, I'm always taking the mick out of number one, IMF, number two, ECB, number three, economists in general, um, and number four, um, who actually I think are possibly the most, the biggest target in my opinion, are ratings agencies because they always seem to me to get it wrong, and they or they and 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 they don't they don't act quickly enough. But anyway, there you go. So please, <laughs> over to you. Over to you. Thanks for the disclaimer. I'll keep an eye on that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think I just find it really interesting to see how long these today would last because it was expected that the GDP in the UK and the eurozone would have increased by two percent if the supply chains um, weren't affected by COVID restrictions and the increased demand for goods. I think mm-hmm. on that point, I think it's lockdown made it easy to save money on commuting and going out. So I think mm-hmm. a lot of people just use their money at home on e-commerce. So mm-hmm. that really did increase the demand for goods. Yeah. And it was actually interesting because there was another shipping scandal today. So um, the Felicity Ace, it was a Panama-flagged cargo ship. It mm. was carrying Lamborghinis, Porsches, Audis, and it caught on fire. So, oh, my word. <laughs> so they lost 3,900 cars. Oh, and right. apart from, you know, the Evergrande that got stuck and, you know, ship going on fire we have like yeah apart from that yeah yeah, we also have like supply chain bottlenecks which have impacted economic so i think it's worrying because of course when the gdp goes up the economy is generally thought to be doing well so if these delays we don't know how long they would actually last they're saying they could last up to 2030 and that would slow down our recovery prospects Mm. So I think 
you know, we can see that we have a shortage of several components such as computer chips. Mm-hmm. So, um, and it makes sense why Germany was the worst hit out mm. of all the um, European countries because, of course, the car industry is huge in Germany. That mm. what I found really interesting is to see how the monetary policy makers will try to control inflation. Like, mm. would they? continue increasing interest rates and therefore borrowing costs or would they help consumers and businesses that are struggling with the impacts of COVID-19? What do you think, Peter? It's very hard, very hard. I mean, I think that, you know, they've got so many things to consider. Um, But I mean, overall, um, doing nothing has just made the situation worse, in my opinion. You know, they've, they, the ECB, I mean, you know, they, they just literally don't do anything. Um, and the IMF is just standing on standing by and saying, oh, look, things are getting bad. <laughs> uh, so, um, so dislike is becoming apparent again. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, so, you know, but I just I just think that, um, you know, as as things as things are, we've got, you know, the, the, the labour markets are continue to be strong. There are still. Uh, yeah, it's still very tight, you know, both on, on from, you know, blue collar workers, white collar workers, you know, it's all, it's all still, it's all still pretty tight. Wages are going up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, that I, I, I really do think that um, it is, it is right to put, um, inf- you know, it, to put interest rates up in order to try to curb inflation. Um, yes, this is going to affect those in debt and actually obviously well it's actually going to affect a lot of governments of course because mm. um you know they they are massively in debt because of the the costs of um trying to deal with the pandemic so um yeah i mean it's it is going to be very it is going to be very very difficult um but i think that they've got to just acknowledge the fact that they've got to do something about um about inflation because it is just getting ridiculous i mean i you know i was i was saying in in uh you know, in in one of the other bits of um, of Watson's Daily about how coffee prices had gone up. I mean, up by thirty. I mean, thirty percent at Starbucks uh, between you know January twenty nineteen and January twenty twenty two. That's a lot, isn't it? Thirty percent, twenty one percent to my homemade coffees. <laughs> well, there you go. You know, thirty percent Starbucks, twenty one percent at Pret, ten percent Cafe Nero. I mean, it's 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 a lot. Um, and so, you know, I think anyway, I think they they really do need to um, acknowledge that we we have got a tight um, labour market still, um, and I think that we need to do something about it now because if we do continue to wait and do nothing, um, then I think that the um, prices will rise. But actually, you know, the the um, uh, employment situation may start to get worse. So at least now we're strong, you know, strong labour market, um, you know, that we've got, we're in a strong labour market that can, that can potentially cope um, with, with a bit of, uh, with a bit of uh, higher, you know, with higher interest rates. Whereas if we, if we lose our moment, I think that we're, I think that we're almost, we've got a window of opportunity now and that window will close. So um, obviously we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, I think that the, it's interesting to see how the ECB uh, chief economist um, has been, you know, has changed his stance. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's saying that um, it looks inflation is looking unlikely to fall below their two percent um, target for the next two years. 
I mean, that is a, I say, a shift in the in the right direction. But obviously, um, Christine Lagarde, who I think is, it's ironic how her surname <laughs> is Lagarde. Um, but her, you know, uh, how Christine Lagarde is um, is still. Dig, you know, still refusing to do anything um, about uh, inflation. Although recently, um, some remarks that she made were interpreted by the market as suggesting that she was moving towards um, raising interest rates. But then she calmed stuff down afterwards and said, "No, that's not exactly the case, etc." So, um, but anyway, I, you know, it is interesting to see that you've got the ECB, the, the head economist of the ECB, changing his stance. But that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to see interest rate rises anytime particularly soon, I don't think. Yeah, I think it's, it's interesting because the Bank of England's already increased interest rates twice and mm. expected to increase another five times this year. Mm. So it's just a difference of like approaches is quite interesting. Mm. Peter, what was your favourite story? <laughs> well, okay, well, today um, I really thought that the interesting one was about, there was a story in the Daily Telegraph today um, suggesting that the government are thinking of ways of trying to um, get tax um, from road users in the future because um, at the moment for instance we've got um, electric vehicles which now account for apparently 11.6 percent of total sales which sounds a lot because it has generally been about five percent of sales um, and I'm just going to pause here to say I think that that is an artificially high figure because I think that that a lot of people who've bought the electric vehicles have bought them. Um, you know, so people who are actually doing quite well financially have bought new electric vehicles. But I think people generally have not bought new cars um, because of the whole supply, uh, you know, the, the chip shortage. Now, as far as I know, a lot of the car makers have prioritized chips for certain models and i think electric vehicle you know their electric vehicles as well mm -hmm. so i think that although that 11.6 percent is a considerable jump from say five percent mm -hmm. i think that once chips start to the supply starts to normalize mm -hmm. i think that that figure is going to go down again before it then goes up but that's mm -hmm. just a personal opinion but anyway going back to it i do think that the road pricing shock um you know, this could be this could be quite. So what this is, is the government's trying to get tax. So at the moment, you pay road tax, you pay fuel duty. Uh, it's, a, you know, these are flat rates. Uh, well, we're certainly, you know, road tax, mm -hmm. flat rates and stuff. Um, now, the idea is that obviously as an electric vehicle driver, you don't pay these things. And so they're trying to think in the future when enough people start buying electric vehicles, how are they going to generate tax? Because obviously they'll be losing out. Um, so one thing that they're talking about is actually doing a new road pricing system where road users will be charged according to um, their road usage and they will be monitored by some sort of black box telematics um, device that will be in the car and monitoring your use. And so it will depend like that how much you get charged will depend on obviously things like distance, type of road, um, as in presumably costs more if you go by motorway or something, uh, time of day and how polluting the vehicle is. Now, I mean, I think from a purely logical point of view, that sounds fair enough because you'd think, well, if you do use the road a lot, 
then surely you should pay more because you're the one that wears it out. <laughs> um, so, you know, so it kind of sounds um, uh, logical in the first instance, but you, you yourself have had um, issues with black boxes, haven't you? Yeah, so I've had three black boxes since I passed my driving. I think a lot of people in the younger generation would hate to have another black box. Mm. And even in the elder generation, because you're so used to driving without getting monitored. So mm. you're constantly being monitored on how much you're using your car. Mm. I, I just don't think humans would like that control over us. And when I had a black box, I had such great difficulty because my first black box was too alert. So even when I wasn't speeding, it was monitoring me as speeding. Whereas mm. my last, my third one, didn't monitor anything. So even when I was speeding, it just didn't catch anything. So. Mm -hmm. You know, it's interesting. Happy days. Saving my insurance. So there was, that was that was you, Elaine, was it? You know, speeding speeding <laughs> along those country roads and then doing doing donuts in the uh, in 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 the Sainsbury's car park there <laughs> No, my speeding is just over five miles per hour. <laughs> so, yes. You went yeah. driving thirty-five, not like fifty on a thirty. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. so, yeah. um, yeah, so I think it's really interesting to see how reliable they will be because I think if it's different companies their yeah. softwares might be different and also I think a, a, like a lot of people will try hacking these systems so yeah. how would that effectively monitor how much um people are like using how much they're driving mm -hmm. and I think it should really depend on your circumstances so yeah. as a uni student I often um, I went to university like two and a half hours away from where my family lived and mm. I had to like visit my family so of course if I'm going to get charged extra just for visiting my family it, it's kind of sad because obviously I wouldn't visit my family that much yeah that's how much they're worth for you then Lena right this is this is literally, you're going to see the actual work. <laughs> no, in terms of like students already have a lack of money. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I think, I, I see what you mean. I mean, it's I like think... My family doesn't hear this, but... <laughs> <laughs> Actually, maybe we should set up a GoFundMe page, you know, to uh, to finance your visits to your family. I mean, I'm I'm sure I'm sure people would be very generous for, uh, for that. Uh, so, um, but no, I mean, I I think that I mean that you know that is a very valid point as well, though, because also you could argue that doing something like that is going to penalise people on a you know on the lower end of the socio-economic scale again because um and you know uh, and favoring the rich people because you could say that um you know you can't not everyone can afford to live near to town centers and things like that so they end up living in places that are further away and therefore if you're living you know to save on costs but if you live further away and then you're paying this money on roads charges and things then that's not you know, then that's that's penalising them for living further away, whereas you are favouring um, people who live in the town centre, for instance. Um, so it's it's again, it's an example of something that sounds quite easily easy, sort of on a conceptual basis, but actually, when you look at it a little bit closer, it's actually quite problematic. Um, and, you know, there's the, not to mention the whole kind of human 
uh, rights aspect of the whole um, putting a black box on there, uh, you know, in your car, because, you know, you feel that everyone's watching you all the time in terms of where you go, what you do, how fast you do it, um, you know, all those kinds of things. So although, like I say, I, I feel that this is something that sounds easy. Actually, I think the implementation will be very difficult. And, and you know, fortunately, I suppose there is still time for the government to come up with something that is workable, um, because I think that although electric vehicle sales will keep going up as time goes on, um, you know, I don't, I don't think it will be an exponential increase, especially at the moment when household budgets um, look like they're going to get very squeezed. I mean, it'd be very. I mean, it'd be interesting. I want to sort of look back at, at where we are now at the end of the year and wonder where we are at that point um, to see whether we were a bit too uh, pessimistic, perhaps. <laughs> um, but um, but obviously, yes, we'll you know we'll have to report back then. Um, but yeah, I thought this was interesting, and you know, people are saying that this is going to. Um, kill growth in electric vehicles because of the early adopters buying the uh, electric vehicles because um, of the you know they don't have to pay so much tax or the, any tax or anything. But to be honest, I I kind of think if you can if you can if you've got enough money, a brand new electric vehicle, I would have thought that you know tax is like you know not paying the tax is a nice thing, but it's not the thing that made you get the car in the first place. Because I think if you were that worried, you'd just cycle in or something, wouldn't you? <laughs> or walk or do something. Um, so, you know, so yeah. But anyway, but what, any any other thoughts on that? I think like how the government, like obviously during lockdown, the government had control of like, we weren't allowed to leave our house. So they already had like, it's already president that, you know, that they can put like a national lockdown and restrictions in place. So I think mm. if they're going to start tracking our traveling so if we're like um how much time we spend on the road how mm. how cars polluting and just the distance and all of those information i think it would it's a lot of data that they will have on us and mm. i think that is risky in itself and mm. i think they can actually control how much you travel then because although um if this obviously wouldn't impact obviously those that have lots of money as much but those who are from like lower socio backgrounds they would mm. be more conservative with their money so mm. I think that would control how much they travel because obviously it does influence you if you're spending extra you have to consider that amount so I think it is putting more like the government can increase the tax if they've already mm. got a tax they can increase or you know decrease that tax so it is in some way controlling us and our rights Mm. yes indeed so there we go big brother is watching um <laughs> and i know that's that's a semi sort of it's a kind of neutral way to end the week isn't it because I mean, we've been quite downbeat tried to bring it upbeat yesterday um but but ending skidding into the end of the week um with a bit of neutrality um and paranoia uh, <laughs> so, so uh, uh, anyway. i'm turning to human rights lawyers <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyway we'll see but anyway um i just you know thank you very much alina um for this week your your time this week and your your uh your insight so thank you very much um and also thank you very much for listeners as always um for listening to this podcast and continuing to support us um and um yeah so thank you very much have a great day there'll be more podcasts coming out soon 
Um, and um, yeah, have a great day. Have a great weekend, etc. Until uh, we meet again. Um, have a have a great day. Many thanks. Bye.